Welcome back, everybody, to the That's God podcast, and uh, I am excited today. We have our uh, one of our usual suspects, Pastor <laughs> Chuck Sweet, is with us today. Thank you, Chuck, for being here. Amen. We have a special guest who I met for the first time yesterday, but Chuck, I understand you have known this person for 35 years or so? Or so, yeah. So, back, we, we go back over 35 years. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to have you introduce our guest today. All right. What an honor. Well, my dear friend, Steve Tall, who is founder and lead director of Sent One's Ministry um, International, is with us this morning. And he and I go back quite a ways. Uh, the first time I ever really met him is he carried his youngest daughter, who is now 36, into our living room in a little, one of those little <laughs> uh, ba baby basket things and uh, came to our our Sunday night uh, home group, and we've been pretty much hip to hip ever since. Yeah. Been uh, doing ministry together, traveled together, attended school together, and uh, it's been an enjoyment. So Awesome. I'm going to turn it over to Steve for a, for a few minutes. Steve, if you would share a little bit about St. Juan's uh, International, what you're doing, why you're doing it, uh, how it was created, vision, uh, whatever's on your heart. Yeah, and welcome to the show. Hey, well, yeah. thanks. Yeah. It's great to be here. I always try to come. It's been like a year and a half since Chuck and I have been able to get together. So mm. we try to come in and visit and uh, spend some time with him and Patty. Because as you say, we've been together a lot of years. But we're not just friends, but we're ministry, uh, a lot of that. Actually, one of the blessings for me is... Uh, Chuck and Patty are also ordained under the covering of Sent Ones hmm. International Amen. Ministries. And, Amen. you know, so we love that so that they have the ability to do whatever God's called them to do at the same time. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, and especially even though we're getting older, we're praying that we're going to do. Careful now. Getting, Careful. Get, get, <laughs> we're going to do, you know, there's things that we still do together that because uh, when the two of us are together, there's just a different it's a, it's an amazing anointing that God has uh, put with us, and it always intensifies when we're together. But yeah, it's actually uh, the, this is May, so May fourth of two thousand fifteen was the year that we launched uh, Sent Ones International Ministries. When I was ordained and, and they launched the ministry, it literally was a launch because my vision for Sent Ones I didn't have a lot of it. I only knew a little at the time, mm. and I knew that I was supposed to go to Rwanda. And uh, and then God would give me instruction there. And because of the way that Chuck and I were trained and we grew up, it was actually one of the things that sticks in our head. It's just like part of our thought process or whatever. It's like, you know, only speak when spoken through. Mm -hmm. Only do what he tells you to do. Mm -hmm. Only go where he tells you to go. He'll let you know what you need to know. Well, that always sounds easy, but it's really, <laughs> it's not. But it is, it is a, you know, it, it represents or demonstrates the same thing that Jesus said. I only say what I hear the Father saying, only yeah. do what I hear the Father doing, but or only do what I see the Father doing. But when I got to Rwanda, that's when God gave me the start of the vision, and that was I was in a genocide museum, and uh, I, I didn't know about Rwanda and the genocide, which is funny. Most times when we go into a country, we've done some study, but I didn't. I was very naive. And I went in and I was in the genocide museum and now I'm completely overwhelmed and I'm like, oh dear Lord, I have no idea how to minister under something yeah. like this. I don't even know what I'm doing. And what time frame was that? That was, in two, that was July of 2015 when I went in. The genocide what? was in 1994. 94. And over okay, to, yeah. you know, there was over, um, uh, it was like within a hundred days, almost a million uh, people were killed. Were, were killed. Yeah. And most of those were 
the, the what I'll say is the mothers and the fathers, the older generation. That's why, depending on the statistics, uh, when you look at Rwanda, it's about 70 percent youth, which is uh, when they'll say 14 to 35. Yeah. Is there now in their census, I think they changed it to 30, but it's still a large percentage wow. of the population is this generation that 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 yeah, uh, because the older generation got wiped out right yeah, yeah. so there's no you know and part of that is also to raise a generation because they don't have the fathers and and the mothers and, and and those to to help raise that generation when i said god i don't even know what what i'm supposed to be doing here and i don't know how to minister in this and he said and he said you're going to do a youth invasion crusade and i'm like okay First, I wanted to talk to him about the word invasion, because I said, I think that's a bad word to use. Mm. You know, we're in a genocide museum. Yeah. And I said, and, and I don't know even how to handle this time, you know, what, what all of this is. And he said, oh, Steve, Rwanda won't be known for its genocide. It'll be known for the greatest revival the world's ever seen. So, you know, your spirit immediately says, that's awesome. Right. But then my flesh immediately <laughs> said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah. So then when he told me that I want you to call it a youth invasion crusade, youth I got... Crusade, I was like, he knows I don't like to do big platform, big performance. He said, no, it's a crusade because a crusade literally is something you're passionate about. It can be good or bad, mm -hmm. you know, but he said that, that but in invasion, I wasn't there. He said to see, because I always invade the heart first. And when I invade, there's no way out. Mm -hmm. There's no exit. And so that's what he told me. He said, because out of the heart of Africa, it'll, it'll burn from Cape Town to Cairo. That I understood because I am a revivalist. I very much understand that Africa will burn from Cape Town to Cairo. Mm. But he said out of the heart, because he, when, when the enemy came in every country, every one of them said, what does Rwanda have that we need? And because they had nothing, they just let it go on. So until, and that's what God showed me in revival. Remember they come, look at Asbury, look at these places, they come from 65,000 people or whatever came in, a, in just a few short weeks from all over the world, they came because that's what revival does. It draws them there. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, what does Rwanda have? They have the, the greater glory. Because he showed me revival, but he showed me Rwanda bursting into flame. Mm -hmm. And then out of that, it started to burn out of Africa. But I still didn't know what to do. But he said, I don't want anybody famous, no famous worship leaders, no famous speakers, no mm -hmm. famous anyone. So whoever I bring and who's ever there, they're the ones that are famous mm -hmm. because we're, we were so much of us. We were blessed in the fact that we were often taught and then sent to do. But most of the time somebody says, hey, follow me and I'll show you. And then you just hold on to my coat. Well, this is the opposite. I don't have a, the platform is for them. To show them that when I say you're, you're amazing, God has a purpose for you, God has a, and then you pull that out of them, then you put them there to do it. So the ministry, we started in 2015. We did our first uh, YIC Youth Invasion Crusade in 2016, and we had 23 people from five nations that came. We had people that had never flown, never mm. done anything. Nobody knew what we were doing, including <laughs> us. Mm. But, but, you know, we got worship leaders from all over the the state we had them from, but we had people from Kenya, from Uganda, from uh, South Africa, and we came together and we did our first conference. And some of it was great, some of it was it was terrible. We did a terrible job, <laughs> but people's lives were changed and they yeah. recognized the difference. But mm -hmm. the thing was, is that when you you know it's a vision from God because it took off, and and it's never been really. They never call it the Youth Invasion Crusade since that day. They just call it the YIC. Mm. But the YIC is only one of the, it's, it's only a tool that we use underneath all of our programs. But in our four pillars of ministry, 
Yeah, we have discipleship and training, agriculture and farming, business development, and family and children. Hmm. So no matter what we've started over the years, something falls into one of those. So the, the discipleship and training, we have uh, now every year that we do a, a YSC, a new discipleship group is formed. So we have other than 2019 was we had a block. So we didn't do 2020. So we have discipleship 21, but we have 17, 18, 19, and then or 18. Yeah, 19 and then 21. But each one of those groups works through our discipleship program and all that, because we found that in most nations, everywhere we've gone, as a matter of fact, quite often they have Bible study, but they don't have discipleship. Mm. And so many people know how to, they know the Bible, but again, God doesn't really, you know, the enemy doesn't really care if you go to church and he doesn't care if you read your Bible. It's when you become the church yeah. and you start to do the word. And so God had told me years ago, you do what you do. And then the church will come ask you how you do it. So when I have in our discipleship groups, we have sometimes five, six, seven different denominations because none of our uh, discipleship training has doctrine in it. Mm. because it's like, how do you put this into practice? Mm -hmm. I don't want you to know the Bible. You know, it's like, you know, be you a doer of the word, not just a hearer. So they've learned to, at this point, they can take a devotional, read it that day and say, how do I apply this to my life today? And let's all go out and do that yeah. instead of knowing all the scripture. So, but it took years, even training the pastors and leaders to do that because they're so used to, I can teach you how to pray and I can teach you how to do this within our doctrine. Mm -hmm. So they still separate each other. And so at this point, now the pastors and leaders are coming to us. So that falls under, when we say discipleship and training, our biggest event of each year, like coming up in July, I'll do a, a YIC. We do it every year right after uh, school gets out and they do their national exams. Then we hold the YIC for a week. During that time in the evenings, whoever the speakers are, and again, nobody famous, and whatever, I think I share the first night only because... I cast vision for what we're going to do and what God's doing in the season. And then somebody will speak each night. And then during the day, we do the workshops. When the workshops are done each day, there's training, there's impartation. And then, and then a lot of times we'll have a certificate at the end. But then the, after we've done all the training that week, the following week is the people that have attended all the trainings. Then we put them into groups and we send them out with people and we take them out into the villages, usually an overnight, going right. somewhere, they go out into the villages. And so it's, it's more of a, a teach and show. Yeah. Because we want you to put into action what you're doing because everything that we do, even when I train, do which we're doing a lot more now, of leadership training for pastors and leaders, they're coming and saying, hey, will you train us? So we're equipping them in the fivefold. And, and my biggest thing is giving them the tools. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do anything, just I don't do anything out of that's not in relationship and I do it out of us partnering with them. But I even got, you know, built an apostolic network, but I had them do it. All of the training, everything that's done in Rwanda is done by the Rwandese. And even in December, we became uh, an FBO, a faith-based organization in Rwanda. But they had to do all of that. Wow. All I can do is write a letter and, and when they need it. Yeah. And I did and say, I'd like our organization. So we're the apostolic charter of them. But they had to write their bylaws. They had to do everything, mm. which they did. And everybody says, that's amazing that the government did that in such a short amount of time. Right. But that was a vision God gave me years ago. So we do agriculture and farming because there's areas that sometimes they don't have the money. It's a way to go into a community. We partner with them to you know, give them something tangible. And then in that, when they need it, then 
our discipleship and training comes in because then we go in and now we're going to share the gospel, share yeah. what we're doing. And, and we partner in that business and development. We start help start small businesses, give them no interest loans or do ever and help them mm-hmm. do that. And then family and children, of course, is any training, anything we can do to help the family trainings, uh, marriage, family, whatever it is that we need, it's going to fall under one of those pillars. And so uh, this year, especially with us, uh, this is our eighth year. So it's kind of a new beginning. And like Trek said, many of the things that I saw eight years ago, we bought land. We're building a, a vocational and, and a rehabilitation center, or your vocational center, apostolic resource center, hmm. a place in the community that uh, people, because not everybody can go to school. Not mm-hmm. everybody can get a university. For so. training and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and doing even, uh, that way you can do camps, you can do retreats. And because it's uh, multi-purpose, you could also hold weddings. So it generates revenue in the community. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The miracle of that is it took me almost eight years. We bought it like in 2018. We finally uh, received the funds for it. But what happened is, it was so much agricultural land, even though we owned almost three acres, that you could only build a little on it. So when they went to give all the plans, do the EPA study and everything, they actually got it to where we only have like, I think it's like 0.11, less than an acre now has to be, I mean, it's like, I think it's 50 (laughs) meters up from the water has to be agricultural. The rest can be commercial and, you know, residential. Yeah. But the miracle is that to do that, they had to change the master plan, so God did it for the whole community. Yeah, wow. So, it, 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 you know, I, we ended up paying for it, but at the end of the day, they don't even know that yeah. they can just turn yeah. in a permit and do that, yeah. but that's what God, wow. but God had promised over the years that he would make that area prosperous, because that's Bugacera, where we bought it, is where they're building the new airport, and over the years, that's where they used to ship people off and move them to, and then they would basically starve or die, yet it's become a place of, that we've always told them it would be a place of prosperity and that God would move, and so we're seeing all the things that we started years ago are into fulfillment, and like Chuck said, now we're into the one-year, five-year that's actually what the, the FBO is planning because you have to get with it. Now you have certain things that within the community they need. Like last month, they did a outreach to children and families for business, and it, it kind of did both. It was an outreach where they ministered to the families, and they did that, but then they gave each of them, uh, it was 150 families got rabbits because it's a business. Oh, wow. But they had to be pregnant rabbits, so we had to wait. Because that's how the community or the the elders and the, the leaders wanted to do it. Yeah. So then they were able to minister to them, share with them, and then give each family come up and give them their their rabbits. And then those families will take that hundred and fifty once they give birth to the rabbits and they're pregnant. Then they'll give them another one, and so they'll spread it. So it's the idea is that it continues to grow. Wow. So you show something mm-hmm. and, and go, and so that's and, been and the ministry uh, i'm going to interrupt here because it's it's so astounding that i have been going into uganda or uganda uh, about the same amount of time or maybe a little longer than steve's been going into rwanda and uh god gave me the vision for the churches over there that we were ministering to we go in with no agenda it's their mm-hmm. agenda that we prefer to mm-hmm. we submit ourselves to them just mm-hmm. as as steve and his team does and what god had given me as a vision for the places that i was going was 
that each one of those churches would become the community center for the village in which it it was Mm -hmm. in. And it would be doing exactly what Steve is talking about. It would be the cultural center. It would be the the family center. It would be the business center. It it would be the agricultural center, not just the spiritual center, but it would be the the, the all and everything. Yeah, if you had issues or you needed something or you wanted something, then that would be the place that you would go. Yeah. And uh, uh, we're starting to see that in Uganda a little bit. And uh, obviously, as Steve is talking about, it's just exploded exponentially in in Rwanda by their work. So to me, that's just amazing and exciting that it's all about. And that's what we're going to talk about today's teaching. But it's all about um, it's not about me. It's not about Steve. It's not about sent ones. It's about what can we do? to enhance the people that we're ministering to, to a point where they get it, they can go do it. And Steve and I call it the stuff, go Mm -hmm. do the stuff and then pass it on to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that improves the quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when we, one of the things that we've done in the last few years is my vision was always to go in to do something with the youth, but like in, you know, in uh, Malachi, you know, and I think it's four, six or something, you know, I think, I, I believe that's it, but he's talking about at some point, you know, when, when the, when we, when the fathers return to the, the, the sons and daughters return to the fathers and then he'll break that curse, mm. you know, and the hardest thing about the youth is for the longest time, I didn't have a platform for any pastors or leaders because they're all into religion and they're, they're building their own little mm-hmm. kingdoms. kingdoms. Yeah. Like I said, in my discipleship groups and in, in, in Synth One's ministries, no, I've never once had a pastor be upset with me. Because I met with them first, said, "Can I have your youth?" And not one pastor gave me their best. As a matter of fact, some of mine they said, "What do you?" You know, there was rumors about. I wonder what he'll do with, you know, yeah. with with that orphan. Because my yeah. I have a daughter, Belise, that's an orphan, and, and mm-hmm. I have another uh, spiritual daughter who's been with us from the very beginning, Kelly. But she was just didn't know what she's doing either. But she said, "Okay." Yeah. So we did it together. But people used to say, "I don't know what he thinks he's going to do with that orphan and that that little girl." But see, to God, what we're going to do is we're going to change a nation. Yeah. Because in that moment, in the Genocide Museum, I started a movement. Mm. But I started it with a yes, because, and that's what I tell them. When you're doing a vision for God, the only way that this fails is, is one, is, is, you know, the only way I can really mess it up is, one, if I try to take on something that's not me. Because mm-hmm. God told me to, in, in all the times that Chuck and I, through ministry and everything, I've always said, loved revivalists, but we studied you know, what they did wrong. And God always said, just stay on mission. You do you. And so that was one thing he put in me, you stay on mission. And so in in focusing on that, I always tell people, if you're doing the dream that God called you to do, then to beat me or to take this out, you just have to take out the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because it's not mine. Hmm. I just partner in a dream that's there because it's so far, so much bigger than me. Now, funny is... We look back now after eight years and the things that I wrote down and the things I would say that they said I was crazy. Now they look and say, wow, God's done that. And because he's done that, they can dream bigger. Hmm. Every one of them can dream bigger. They have their own dreams and vision because it was demonstrated. Again, we're talking about training. And even this, you know, I mean, over the years, I mean, when I went into Rwanda, I didn't understand that I operate and I function under the graces of an apostle. I didn't know that. We look back now in the 30 years of ministry, I always had those graces. I was just growing in them. And that's the other thing. When you, when you operate 
and your function. I'm just wired a certain way. But then you raise a generation to operate that way. And we've demonstrated it for eight years. It's just who they are. It's part of their spiritual DNA as well. Yeah. And we're seeing that, that in every area they're, they're growing. Like I said, they're starting to plan for the one year, the five year, and you know what, what they can do within the community and how they do it. And like even recently, I was telling Chuck, I just went because I have now I have more pastors and leaders coming saying, will you train us? Will you equip us? And we've done a couple of conferences. I have two coming up in, in July. We even have a church that operates completely under the covering of our network. So that, that uh, and it gives two things. It's teaching the network how to operate as a fivefold and function together. And the church itself is becoming the first apostolic resource center. Instead of me having to wait till I build that one, we have the facility. They've given us everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just went into Uganda for, while I was there this last time, they asked, and I, so I, even though it wasn't part of my trip, I took five days and went into Uganda because we, they, they asked to train pastors and leaders. And it was a, it was a powerful time. We, we really enjoyed it because it's like when you start to see God doing something, but when you can bring, you know, five, I think there was uh, like five different countries, like 35 leaders and then a, and a just people in the community from several different denominations and they're there focused on the fact because we're supposed to be the church yeah, right right it'd be a lot easier <laughs> if, if if every church what if it just didn't have a name mm-hmm. you know then we'd just be the church mm-hmm. but you know but they're starting to operate and recognize that if we operate under the fivefold there's more authority there's more anointing there's more power and it you're stronger when you do it in that way yeah and so the the ministry that we're doing started out with youth, but the whole idea is to bring the young and the old together because it can't work until we do. Mm-hmm. And so my my goal is to, again, you raise a generation uh, to, to operate as sons and daughters. But the other thing is, is my goal has been I need to raise the, the, the fathers because, you know, if we're going to equip them and train them and send them out, where's the fathers to send them out? Where's the, the yeah. you know, the, the elders? And so that's what we're trying to do, raise that generation, but also raise the leaders to understand that the next generation is, is those. And so as fathers, you know, sometimes we applaud when our kids do something instead of being up there and being the one. Yeah. And like Chuck said, so with the ministry, it's not about, it's not about the ministry. It's not about the, the person. It's about fulfilling God's mission. And that's, you know, to, to, to equip, train, send, and release. That's just basically the absolute yeah. robotic model is to equip, right. train, send, and release. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Matthew 28, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and remembering that in the midst of that, if you and those of you that are listening, if you have a ministry or have the desire to get into ministry or, or pursue uh, whatever it is that God has called you to, remember that that ministry is a gift from God and it is his ideas, it's his vision, and we are called just to be the hands and feet of it to carry it out. And in that, if uh, if you do it that way, as uh, Stephen and his team have done over the years, um, there's legacy that will 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 ensue in that. If something were to happen to my best friend here sitting across the table from me, uh, all of us would be brokenhearted. But that ministry would live on because of the way it's been set up and the people that he has in place. I mean, he has powerful leaders over there that are literally running the ministry now and doing yeah, the work. like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and they're doing all the work, and, and that's legacy. And I'm a big uh, proponent of, of teaching and preaching legacy because 
without legacy, the gospel wouldn't exist today. Right. It would not exist in my life today. Mm. Legacy is something that will go from generation to generation to generation and, yeah. and, until Jesus comes back. Yeah. And so uh, if you have the desire to pursue what God has called you to do, do it in mind with, with uh, presentation of legacy. It's, it's absolutely vital. It has to continue on. Yeah, yeah it has to, the dream has to be bigger than you. It's like, you know, we talk about, you know, your, you know, your inheritance or whatever, but an inheritance is tangible. A legacy is eternal. Yeah. You know, and, and it just, if you're going to put it in short terms, that's yeah, what it is that's because it, it takes on so much. And, and the other thing I would say to people that, you know, if you have those visions or those dreams and sometimes you're thinking, you know, well, you know, it's not me. I can tell you if I never said yes, everything that Chuck, any of us are here, if you've ever done any ministry or you've done something where God has moved, it took your yes. And many a time, it's not because I was qualified. Yeah, I, I've told God so many times I'm not qualified. I didn't deserve it. I, don't, I didn't mm -hmm. earn it. And I certainly don't know what I'm doing. All of those things are true. But I was available and I said yes. And because of that, I still understand that because if he doesn't show up, it doesn't work if it's yeah. not there. And so... You know, and to finish well, the, our biggest thing is to say to continue to position ourselves and to know that, it, you know, without him leading, you know, and, and but you demonstrate that and raise a generation the same way that they understand that we no matter what it is, we have to trust God. Even for every year we come up with a, a theme and, and I give a direction like this year it's seek first the kingdom. But that's not a theme when you say even when a pastor does a theme for for eight weeks or whatever. That's not a theme that's like, okay, after it's over, we don't do it anymore. It's, mm -hmm. it's usually a destination or a character part of something. You're developing in them. You're building they, on it. That they, and you build on it. So each mm -hmm. year we've done that. And so this year we're doing Seek First the Kingdom because, you know, it's, it's because it's so big. It's not just God first. That's yeah. often, that's the old school thing. Seek first the kingdom. And that means God's first, family's second, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever that, that, you know, and it's not, it's God's first. He's always first. You know, what about my family? Well, God's first and he, yeah. he'll, and again, in kingdom, if you take family out, there's no kingdom. If you take, so you teach them as you go, but it's a demonstration. And since that fits right with today, you know, it never changes yeah. with us. But in uh, the biggest thing I would tell somebody if, if you're thinking or if you believe that God's doing something, if it's really God, it's bigger than you. But if you don't share it, if you don't do it, so, you know, write the vision down. I would tell you, if you don't say yes, you're never going to step into it. Then you're going to miss what God's wants to do in and through you. Hmm. Amen. 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 Yeah. A lot, lot, a lot of information just went uh, across <laughs> the, the, the radio wave, so to speak. But yeah. uh uh, and today's session was to be on learning. I, I don't know uh, how far we or how close we got to that. But uh, as Steve said, even this year's theme, if you will, is seek the kingdom. And, and what does that represent? And so the process of teaching, as Steve has said, is it's not memorizing scripture for the sake of memorizing scripture. And we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. Dave, in, in that uh, knowledge is great. Yeah. But until knowledge is actually applied, that's when wisdom will take take effect. Yeah, and the two have to work together. So, uh, well, you you had mentioned preaching and teaching. Yeah, and so to delineate those, in my mind, preaching is, we'll say, sharing the good news. To I'm gonna I'm gonna oversimplify everything here. Sure, but preaching to me is sharing the good news of Jesus with non-believers mm -hmm. 
Whereas teaching is you're instructing the believers on God's word. And now that you are a believer, let's look at Jesus's life and let's, let's see what look, living holy is all about. Let's see what discipleship is all about. Yeah. Ex- that, that to me is teaching. And, and exploring the kingdom. And like Steve said, it isn't just God's first and family second. The kingdom represents everything that God is. Mm-hmm. And that starts with love. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, um, I had a pastor once who said, I'm going to preach on love. And a year and a half later, he says, okay, maybe we'll move on to something else. <laughs> because that's who he is. And it is demonstrated in so many different ways. Steve talked about the four pillars that they have. Uh, it's, it, God's love is demonstrated in the agricultural. It's demonstrated in the yeah. business. It's demonstrated yeah. in the training centers. It's demonstrated in the family. And it's just there, you cannot get away from those things. So the broadness of the kingdom, I think, is as especially West. Western believers, uh, we have a we have a very finite understanding of what that really is and what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. When God walked with Adam, and, and we've talked about you and I have talked about this several times, Dave, that when God walked with Adam in the garden, God walked. I truly believe in the physical. He was there. They were side by side. They were having conversation, just like you and I are doing mm-hmm. right now. And why do I believe that? Because when they fell, when they sinned, when they ate the apple, first thing he did was cover themselves up. Well, why? Because God would see them naked, and they knew he would see them naked. You would not cover yourself up from a little wisp or a ghost or a spirit that's just kind of floating around. And salvation was intended and has created for us the opportunity to go back to that same experience. That's the fullness of the kingdom. Mm. Are we there yet? Is anybody there <laughs> yet? No, no. We're a, we're a, we can study the kingdom for an eternity. Yeah, you know, and still not understand it. Right. But we got to get a foothold. I think that's the big thing. Is that you know when you grasp the fact that's why Jesus said, "I must preach the kingdom." Yeah. And he said, you know, and when they, he said, I think it's in Luke seventeen twenty twenty one when he says, you know, and they'll come and ask you. When they ask, and they'll say, then where is the kingdom? And he said, you won't say it's over there, and you won't say it's over there, because it's in you. Mm. So mm. everything that God has, everything, can you imagine, the capacity that, that you have to understand that everything that the kingdom is. And the other, I think, the misnomer or the thing that people don't understand is, you know, they talk about I, 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 the church. And we talk about your identity. You talk about your purpose. You talk about your business. You can talk about—you take all those things— and you you know act like that and and the kingdom's inside of those it's not all of those yeah are inside are the kingdom, inside the kingdom yeah. everything that we are everything the capacity all of that is inside the kingdom and then the kingdom is inside you you just don't rep- understand all of that because that requires greater relationship mm-hmm. even chuck talked about adam and eve and you know or even there it started right there because then they say well then you know well then how do we know about the kingdom. Right then, Adam said, or God was like, where's Adam and Eve? See, because he recognized right then, wait, they're not seeking me. Mm-hmm. Where'd the seek go? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that whole yeah. relationship. The more we know, that's why Jesus, you know, yes, I saw it, Nathaniel, I saw this, I saw that. Everything he operated from the relationship. Yeah. And, and that has to be our lifestyle. And that comes again through the teaching. And, and how does that even take place? Um, we're probably going to cover that some more with Pastor Judy when, when we get back together again there. But um, the teaching part of it is, and, and Steve has said this a couple of times in 
demonstration and walking out and the consistency of we watch the life of Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels and at no point in time is it ever recorded that he fell, stumbled, sinned, uh, even in the face of the enemy. Right. You know, he said, hey, the word is my food, it's my sustenance. Mm-hmm. And as Steve has just said, it's not that... Uh, we invite God into our business, we invite our business into the presence of God, and then when that happens, the righteousness of who he is, the the goodness of who he is, which is the glory of God, permeates everything that we do. And when I got saved, I invited God in, the Father, and I invited the Son Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit, and Mm -hmm. being baptized in the fullest, totally immersed in Holy Spirit. Now, that's all inside of me, so the fullness of the kingdom resides inside of me right now. People go, well, gosh, golly, how can that even be? (laughs) We don't understand that, and part of that is, and Steve touched on it, the capacity. Do I have the capacity to walk in the fullness of the kingdom? No, I do not, because my, my brain, for one, has not been retrained, which is why God says, you know, faith comes by hearing. So it hasn't been retrained to the point where I understand, so I don't have the capacity to be able to step into all of those mysteries of God. And it's a matter of of reading, of training yourself, of watching others that have walked before do it and understanding what authority is. Uh, You know, we talk about one of the classes that I give in in my Fresh Start uh, program is uh, the the authority that we walk in, and, and we don't understand that. We all pray in the name of Jesus. Well, do you even understand what the authority of that is? It's like uh, I was a probationary police officer in Juneau, Alaska, when I first got out of the service up there, and my desire was to be a state patrol, so I thought I'd get a jump on it. And uh, one of the things that, you know, stop in the name of the law. Well, people would stop because there was authority in mm-hmm. that. It isn't just the name, it's how you carry that authority. You know, we were taught in that probation period that you don't say, uh, stop, stop in the name of the law, please, if you would. <laughs> it was to use the authority, to mm-hmm. use who you knew you were to yeah. be able to to reach the end result that you were seeking. And it's the same thing with, with understanding the kingdom. And it, it's walking in the name of Jesus. It's understanding all of those things, and the only way we can get there is by uh, investing in the Word first, and that means you got to spend time. You know, my wife used to lean over the railing from upstairs in her office and say to me, the difference between you and if I was watching somebody on TV, the difference between you and him is time spent. (laughs) So what are you going to do? You know, where are you going to invest your time? What is it that you're going Mm -hmm. going to invest yourself into? Yeah. So from the teaching aspect of it, um, it's leaning into those that have experience. It's uh, maybe, you know, Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people out there who say, follow me, but they forget about the follow Christ part. Mm-hmm. And it's like even Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, I'm not going to yeah. follow Paul and then fall off the cliff just because he did. I'm going to follow him as he follows Christ. So wherever Christ is involved in whatever Paul's doing, then I'm going to invest myself in that. And it's the same with other pastors and other people around us that, you know, follow me. I'll tell people if you want to, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. 
But because of who I am, at some point in time, I'm going to screw up. So just be aware. Mm-hmm. You know, you better you better be plugged <laughs> in because I'm going to let you down. Well, I think that's the other part of the, you know, when you say follow me or any of that. And as we follow Christ, I think that's, that's going to cross all of the, because that's, yeah. that's part of the character of the discipleship. But because he didn't say go make Christians. Don't even get people saved. He said, go and make disciples. Yeah. And so you become, you know, you have to be a disciple, but you also need to be a disciple maker. And, and in that process, that isn't something you're like, so I went to a discipleship class on Tuesday, and so I'm not, I'm, you know, <laughs> yes, you're a disciple, but it's time spent. So, you know, yeah. what do we always, we were always taught that, you know, impartation comes from association, time spent. Yeah. You know, they spent time with Jesus for three and a half years. Were they ready to be disciples? Yes. They spent with him for three and a half years. Yeah. They spent time. Everything that you do, it's like, again, it's like, it's so often we say things that God aren't caught or taught, they're caught. Yeah. Because it's one thing you hear that person, they say, because you could teach this whole thing and then you go out and they walk with you for the next week and they say, you know, I heard him saying all this. He didn't do any of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, is it part of who you are, part of your character, part of your DNA is the way that you act and how that is. Sure. Like he said, authority, we learned that early on and, and you know, and, and, and it was demonstrated to us. And in Rwanda, Nobody calls me every day and asks me what they're doing. They can go, they go visit people in churches. They raise, if they need to raise money to take care of a family or do something like that. There was a memorial this weekend, somebody passed away. They operate as a ministry in a church and they have people in place. My uh, daughter, Belise, overseas, she's been on maternity leave. So since she was on maternity leave, she gave, she turned that position over. She said, so-and-so is in charge and -and so-and-so is in charge. And Kelly, the same thing. While she was here, there's some other Mm -hmm. people taking care of things. Nobody asked it because they understood if Belize said, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. Because they understood Belize's authority. It was given to her. Mm -hmm. They understand the authority given to them. The same way through discipleship, when they saw that, as they were doing in Matthew 8, and they recognized authority, he said, if you say this, that's the difference. If we did that, even as now... People would be healed. People that if we actually operated in the authority that we had and believed it. Right. Yeah. And and that's the other thing. It's again, it's a demonstration. And the more you demonstrate it and you release them in it, they begin to yeah. walk in it. Yeah. That's yeah. the like Amen. you said, time spent. Because you can I, I I can remember there's lots of stories. I, I'm I'm a revivalist <laughs> studier also and have been for years. And uh, lots of stories. I'm a Smith Wigglesworth uh, you know, kind of guy. <laughs> And I remember numerous stories about Smith, and and he would uh, hold these crusades or these these meetings, and uh, uh, people would get healed and set mm-hmm. free. Uh, but a lot of the stories that they tell you are even well, Smith Wigglesworth. They don't understand that before that, before the actual physical manifestation of a healing uh, service, he would have testimony so that stories were told of people who had walked out of um, sickness and disease and torment and mental mental anguish or addiction or whatever the case may be. People forget that uh, Smith Wigglesworth himself had a serious alcohol issue mm-hmm. uh, until God delivered him. Mm. And so these stories, and this is how Jesus functioned, he told stories. He demonstrated by story that he would give a testimony by story of this is what happens. And this is part of the teaching process, just as Steve has been talking about and I've been talking about. We are called to demonstrate. That's the discipleship. That's the training that takes place. If I'm not doing it, how can I tell you to go out and do it? Mm -hmm. 
because, you know, I for number one, I haven't done it, and so I don't really have the authority to walk in that. That's not my place. I can give you the words, and I can speak all of that to you, but until you actually do it, yeah, it, it doesn't happen. And so Smith would have, he would have people bring their crutches or whatever up, and he'd end up with a pile, you know, <laughs> eight feet high on the platform, and then he'd go, okay, who needs to get healed? Who wants to be set free? Who wants yeah. to walk that can't? And then that's when the miraculous took place, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah I remember a story Amazing. like someone would ride out on a unicycle and he said, now, last week this guy couldn't walk. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And yeah. Amy Simple McPherson did the same thing. Yeah. You know, she'd ride an elephant and anything, it depends on the person. But she did the same thing in Out of Angeles Temple because, again, you, you set an atmosphere to build an atmosphere of faith. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And it increases uh, of, of, each of, miracle. And some people um, will, they correct me all the time. We shouldn't have, you know, that expectation, but I believe that we should. We should uh, We oh, should walk yeah. in a total expectation of the, the the stories of what are in our Bible from Genesis to, to maps. I mean, all of those stories, we should walk with that expectation in our life. If God did it, then he'll do it now. Amen. Actually, yeah. he said yeah. that. Greater works will you do. Yeah. yeah. Because. And the latter rain. Fun. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I told Chuck, I always talk about, I raise a generation of, of youth. I believe that, like, We've gone, Chuck and I, and many of the times we've gone, I get testimony of testimony of people that we prayed for. They've been healed. They've, you know, and I've seen it over the years. I've seen amazing things happen. Uh, But I think one of the greatest things is when you, when you, uh, when you pass that on and you get others to do the same thing, we would do workshops and we would do trainings and people would pray for people. (laughs) And I've been on outreaches where we pray and we're praying for the person's stomach. And then all of a sudden he says, oh, Oh, I can see your watch. And we're like, was there something wrong with your eyes? Oh, yeah, I have cataracts. And so we're like, has anybody here ever <laughs> prayed for someone for uh, for their eyes to be open? And one of the, my daughters, no, I haven't. I never pr- seen a miracle. So we said, okay, well, put your hands on his eyes. And she prays. And then we, we pray. And and uh, the cataracts leave. And then he tells her what time it is on her watch and everything. And everybody there. And I said, see, but all we were doing was hmm. we were we were busy about the father's business and when you're when you're preaching the kingdom signs wonders and miracles follow that was just yeah. part of the evidence while we were there but then it opened the door for all those that are there that that god can do this yeah that's awesome. and yeah. i think that's the 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 character part of it is when we teach them something that it, like even chuck saying you know we, we may not have the capacity we have the or in a sense the capacity is there god everything that god wants to put in us is there we haven't learned any how to how function to, or operate uh, in it. Operate in it. Yeah. And again, because yeah. if you if we're listening to God and He says do this, then we do it. And then something happens. It's like, well, He said to do it. <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised. Right. Yeah. God, yeah. God, you God can marvel, but yeah. don't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. God told me that a number of years ago. And in, in when <laughs> I first started going to Africa and I'm praying for people, He says, uh, be amazed, but don't be surprised. Mm. Surprise means you're caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not expecting it. It's like, whoa, whoa, you know, somebody comes yeah. around the corner and spooks you. But we He said, be like that. do not yeah. be mm-hmm. surprised, but be amazed at my glory. Right. Yeah. And it's like when you start to think that way and walk yeah. in that, That's I can 
I can remember the first time Steve and I prayed for a lady that had cataracts. You remember her? Oh, that's what she looked like. <laughs> yeah, we, we both are praying for her, and she comes up, and we ask her, what do you want? Well, I'd like to see. Okay, and we're both looking at each other like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not in me. And so we prayed for her, and she opened her eyes, and she got this big old smile on her face. And she was a regular at the church, but, you know, so she knew. Yeah. Our voices, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, she she looks at Steve and she looks at me and she goes, "Oh, that's what you look like," <laughs> and it was like it just totally blew us away that you know here's the goodness of God that's and awesome. we're we're just we're nobody. <laughs> I'm just dumb Chuck, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and he, this this lady walks away being able to see again. And you know just, uh, you know what I remember about that too. There was two things that happened that blew me away. Is one. It, it was over a, a few days that she was praying, and we were there was a deep, deep bitterness. If I remember, she and yeah, her sister had yeah. been fighting or hadn't yeah. spoken in years. She had been set free of that bitterness. Mm. And at first, remember the one night we were praying for her, and we thought, oh, my God, I think that lady's going to fall down. You know, that weevil's wobble? Yeah. She was really doing that. But each turn, Chuck and I were, like, putting our hands out, and you'd hear crack, 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 as her back. And she was getting straighter oh my and gosh. straighter, and then her... Remember, her hands yeah. started to open up. Yeah. But what really amazed us, she had walked with a cane, but then the she was so bitter that her even her feet were like were fists. clenched up. Yeah. And and as they started to open up when she was doing that thing and Chuck are like, we're, we're you know, you're almost you're trying to listen to what well, God's you know, saying, I, but at the I same time, this lady that, was older than I am yeah. now, so and she probably wasn't because that was thirty <laughs> so years ago. So that last time but, she yeah. got through the bitterness, got through everything, and then when she came up and we said, What do you want? And she said, I wanna I wanna see. So, you know, of course we're we're only doing it because, you know, hey, it's not us anyway. But right. it wasn't like both of us were going like, oh, yeah, we got the faith for this. Yeah, no. <laughs> we were just being obedient. But again, that's when some people say, well, that's because you didn't have the faith. Well, that's not my job. I mean, sometimes a gift of faith is different. So Chuck yeah. and I just prayed. And yeah, we were just as marveled as she was when yeah. she looked up and said, oh, that's what you look like. We were like, oh, it worked. <laughs> we didn't say that out loud, but that's what both of us were thinking. And later it was like, could you believe that? The right. scales just came off our eyes. It's biblical. <laughs> yeah. But it was you, real. It's real, guys. <laughs> that, yeah, it was, it was you know, tangible. So cool. But yeah. But I've seen that in, in the youth and a generation. I was telling Chuck, I have a vision and a passion to raise a generation that like if you have something like, for instance, if you went to church and you prayed for eight people and, and three got healed, you'd be excited. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And we should give God the glory. Sure. Even in all the trainings we've done. And when we do them, I've even done many with Global Awakening, with uh, Bethel, a lot of these different trainings. And they'll tell you, you should have at least, you know, every time you pray for healing, you do a workshop, you do anything, you should have at least an expectation of, you yeah. should have an expectation of 10% at least every time you pray. And then it'll increase, again, like Chuck was saying, as Smith Wigglesworth did, the more you share about what God's doing, it increases the faith and mm-hmm. then the atmosphere changes. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe, and God has given me a vision for, for to raise a generation that can you imagine that your kids or your grandkids go to school and they come home and they're upset because I prayed for 10 people and only eight got healed. <laughs> yeah. that, that they have a greater expectation yeah. like the kids in, in Azusa. You know, if we pray for you, you're going to get healed. You know, if we do this, this God's going to do this. There's no expectation that he's not. Yeah. Yeah. We set an expectation of almost like, well, if he doesn't, and then we make an excuse for why he didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it is, it is the process of 
um, carrying his presence with us wherever we go. Charles Finney said it this way, If I'm a man of God endued with power from on high, souls will break down under my preaching. If I am not, nothing out of the ordinary will take place. Let this be the test for every preacher. By this we stand or fall. That's Charles Finney. That mm-hmm. was his, his. That was his mindset. That's how he operated. And Smith Wigglesworth took it, and he says, "I want to help you that by the power of God, you will not be ordinary." <laughs> and that's what that's what a teacher will do. That's yeah. what a, a discipler will do. That's what someone who is has been called into the place of an apostolic discipleship is is. Uh, to make sure that whoever you're meeting with has that that opportunity to experience and have a relationship with God. Now, whether they receive or not is is up to them. And it, it's uh, we have to come with an expectation. Yeah, Absolutely, I have yeah. to. I have to show up with an expectation mm-hmm. uh, that God is going to do what God said He's going to do. And and God's not a liar. Yeah. Right. Period. Yeah. End of story. I think that's our responsibility. As you know, as the fivefold, it says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the greatest tool God ever gave you to take a generation or to take a nation was the saints. Yeah. And you know, and and, and you know, like when I went to Rondi, he told me, I said, I want you to whatever you do, I want you to create an environment where my sons and daughters can have an encounter with me. Yeah. Because every time you have an encounter with God, you're changed every time. Yeah. And you know, and and that's our responsibility as as one of the fivefold. If you're going to do, then, then then equip them, train them, send them, and release them, and then sometimes they go out, they get a little wounded, they get a little broken, and they come back, and we heal them, raise them up, train them up, and, and we send them back out. Yeah, I think it's a powerful thing when we, you know, when you see that that generation, or that you see your sons and daughters, you know, when you see when you see people that you've worked with, whether they're leaders or whatever, and you watch them do what God called them to do because right. you pulled it out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Steve, I, 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 I'm just thrilled that you were with us today, and I just uh, am so honored to be part of what you're doing and have the opportunity yeah, to, even been... though I don't travel as much anymore, to, to just be uh, prayer it's support, coming. financial support, <laughs> uh, vision support, whatever. And uh, it's just been an honor to have you with us today. Thank you. I, I was just sitting here thinking, i got to go back and listen to this like two or three times because there's so much stuff that just came out of your mouth. It's uh, like, yeah. uh, I am like, boom. So, yeah, this has been amazing. Steve, thank you so much. And if somebody wants to get information on Sent Ones, how would they find that? They can either go to our website, which is uh, www.sentonesim.org. That's probably the easiest way. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, I think there's Instagram because I have people that do that part of it because, you know, I'm not, I, I'm tech savvy, but I, I don't handle all of my digital media sure. and all just uh, because of that. But you can learn a lot about the ministry, but if they want to go on the website, uh, that would be the best way. And you can see a lot of what we do and how we do it. Or if you're ever part of a group or like, say you want to feel that if there's somebody out there that, Hey, I'd love to go to Rwanda or I'd love to go to, you know, something like that. We would love to to have you. I love taking people on a trip. Let them see what God's doing. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't. We don't go and paint buildings or do any of that. You go and, like I said, my my vision and my passion is to find your passion and put it into action. Mm. That's what I love to do. Yeah. I love to give people an opportunity 
to let God use them outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. Because I can promise you, like when we Chuck went with me in 2014, we went into Ghana and then into South Africa. And it just fulfilled a prophecy of his for 30 years, but it also, it ignited something in him that he couldn't come back and just say, I think I'll go back to business as usual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and out of that, the nation of Uganda has been blessed and pastors yeah. and leaders again, because Chuck was... Couldn't well, wait to get back. Yep. Yeah. But he said, but it, it wasn't because he was like, okay, I'm finally qualified. He just said yes. Mm -hmm. I had too much fun. I had to go back. <laughs> Well, that is amazing. That is, and I, I, I'm going to go hit that website because I want to see pictures of that hub that everybody's that, attracted to and everybody's yeah. getting training from, and Amen. and uh, and just see what you guys have, have built over there. Amen. It's, uh, pretty cool stuff. So, thank you everybody for uh, joining us on this edition of the That's God podcast. This has been amazing. Like I said, I'm going to go back and listen to this a couple times. I think. Because it's just uh, there's so much information out there. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Chuck, as usual, thank you, buddy. Uh, honored. And uh, we will catch you on the next one. God bless you, everybody. Bye-bye.